Good morning, Rock Harbor. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Well, first service in 2021. Hallelujah. Made it. Made it. I'd be lying if I didn't say that it didn't feel like I was like sliding across the finish line with dust behind me and smoke coming through on the other sides. It's kind of what it feels like uh, going into this new year. But nonetheless, uh, it's good to be here. 2021 is, is here, and, and uh, there's a lot of things to look forward to. I can, I can only speculate that Pastor's message this morning will have something to do uh, along those lines, and I'm looking forward to hearing that. Amen. I look forward to what the, for, uh, thus saith the Lord yeah. uh, to his people uh, this morning to start our, uh, our new year. I'm glad that God is new every day. Yes, God is new every day, every month, every year. Absolutely, yeah, he just keeps on going. Okay. In our study, guys, this morning, uh, January 3rd, 2021, central truth is that God the Father's exaltation of Jesus showed his approval of Jesus' substitutionary death. And we've, been t- we've been talking a little bit about this uh, recently, um, and obviously the title of today's lesson is, is God's Suffering Servant. So under uh, key verse, Isaiah 53 and 5, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Amen. I've quoted that scripture many times. I'm sure you have too. Um, so let's start reading under Let's Get Started because I want to make a point to, to get this thing going this morning. It says, as a preview to this lesson, you may want to read the entire study text, then read the account of Jesus' crucifixion in one or more of the four Gospels. You will find an amazing resemblance between the words penned by Isaiah approximately seven centuries before the coming of Christ and the events recorded by the Gospel writers. By some estimates, Mel Gibson's film, The Passion of the Christ, is the most successful Christian-themed film in history. I would probably agree with that. Uh, and they're judging that by dollar figure. Um, and it says that using inflation-adjusted data, uh, it brought in about $611 million in worldwide revenue. That's a lot of money. <laughs> well accepted, well received. In 2004, audiences were shocked at the film's brutal depiction of Jesus' scourging and crucifixion. <clears throat> I remember I remember when the movie had come out. I'm just speaking briefly here about the movie. I remember when the movie came out and, and people went to go see it that there were some believers that walked out of the theater and said it was too too brutal and, and left. And, and I'm not knocking, not knocking them. Not, but the, the reality is that the crucifixion was brutal. Amen. Yeah. That's, the re, that's the reality of it. Now, you may not want to see that on a screen. You may not want that articulated uh, and depicted in front of you, but you can't deny the reality that it happened. And I would say, judging by uh, research, and, and I thought they'd done a great job. I thought they did a great job of depicting it. But at the same time, I still don't think it was the beating that he actually received. And you start doing the history on it, and they did. They did their history. They'd done their homework. I don't even know if there's, um, I don't know if it's possible to actually put it on screen, um, what he actually went through. In fact, I know it's not possible to put on screen what he actually went through and, and what that actually looks like. And so, I mean, it was a, it was a beating beyond belief. Um, but 
that's the point. The first point I want to make is that is the reality of the situation, though, that, that the crucifixion um, and everything that Jesus went through, is, it was extremely brutal. Extremely brutal. But I noticed something in this, and this, this is going to make a point right here, that that brutality set a theme. You know, you've heard me say, talk about themes before. Themes are very important because the Bible is very revealing about themes. And when something sets a theme, I notice that that theme doesn't change. It stays the same throughout the course of history. When you lock in on a theme in the Word of God, you can bet that it means something throughout time. It's not just one time event. So his crucifixion was the, uh, his crucifixion and what he went through were symbolism. Yes, his crucifixion, his death, his death and his uh, burial and resurrection were, meant something to me with salvation, but there were checkpoints. And it says it right here in Isaiah 53, 5, it says he was bruised for our iniquities. Stop right there. Bruised, a representation for what? Iniquities. That's a that's a uh, a standard. So what does that mean? Does that is that a one-time bruising? No, that's all bruisings for all time. That is received a represent representation of iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was chastised for what? For all history. That means from this point forward. And the uh, it says, and with his stripes we are healed, not just one time, but all the time. So it's a theme. It sets it, sets it in place. It's like a stamp. But you got to notice that because what we can't do, and you've heard me say this before, Pastor talked about this. We can't unpack the things that we want from the Bible, and we take them, and then not take the other things with it. So when I say that there's a theme that is being set, or something that's being said, we have a tendency. To only want to take all the promises of the good things. It's like, it's, I want all the things that he's promised me. Absolutely. You have a right of passage to healing. You have a right of passage to your peace. You have a right of passage to freedom. That's all right through the Spirit and, and through what God has said. But he, there are also other things that were set in place because of the scourging. He said, well, Jesus received a beating. So what did, that, what did that say? That also set a precedence for the kind of representation of the beating that you would go through throughout life. And that's something that people are like, they don't understand that. It's like we, sometimes I think the picture is just painted incorrectly. I don't think it's painted exactly the way that it should be. Is a life in Christ a life of peace? Yes. Yes, a life in Christ, in Christ is, is a life of peace, but it's only through him. Does that necessarily mean, though, that my life is going to be peaceful as far as the events go? Well, I mean, no. I mean, let's look at 2020. <laughs> I felt like the devil was trying to rob my peace every week. Yeah, every day. Yeah, every, every, every time I started digging in, and what's so unfortunate was in my circumstance, I'm, a, you know, I'm kind of a data guy, so I'm like digging. I'm looking for information. And I found that to be very detrimental to my spiritual health. Amen. I had to, uh, I had to break away from it a couple times so I could gather myself, because it wasn't good. And so, you know, aside from all of that, that there there are some things that that point to that point, that point to a bit of suffering for you and me. Some things that we would have to go through in this life. And that, yes, peace is available. Absolutely peace is available. Um, 
one of the distinctive things that I like to always point out is, you know, people talk about, well, what's the difference, you know? Um, well, the, the major difference is that he said, I would never leave you nor forsake you, which I think is a really interesting promise because that is a very distinct difference between somebody who does not know him because he's not with somebody who does not believe him. He's not with him in the same way. When you become his child, he says, I promise you never to leave you or forsake you, meaning I will be in your company forever. So when, when he said that, I mean, that locks it in. So that means that you and I, we may go through the same thing that a non-believer goes through. We, yeah, we may go through the same exact thing, but I have somebody that's going through it with me. Amen. And that is distinctly different. And so I, I'm going to point this out because we're going to make some more points here in just a minute about the, the crucifixion and what Jesus went through, pointing to what you and I would go through. All right, so yet no film can capture the true extent of Jesus' sacrifice for humanity's sin. As we study, we can uh, scarcely imagine all that happened. Thus, our understanding of his torturous death must move beyond gore to glory, particularly the glory of uh, the glory God desires to receive through our lives as reflection of his son. All right, well, let's talk about that for just a minute before we get into reading the scripture. It says it's a reflection. Our understanding of his torturous death must move beyond gore, remember getting past what we see, into glory particularly the glory God desires to receive through our lives as reflections of his son. So his son went through, I mean, just tormentous situation. And, and it really, I mean, to be honest, it wasn't easy from the beginning. I mean, let's just go all the way back to the humble beginnings of being born in a manger, yeah. of all things. I mean, it wasn't easy from the very beginning, which is representation of your life. It was never going to be easy the moment that you met him, you start to get the theme. And I think I think that's where we get confused is because he comes in, and yes, he rescues us from our sin. That's a promise. He, he delivers us. He gives us our peace. He puts us on solid ground. And we finally find the, the thing we've been looking for that we've been missing. But as far as life goes, as far as the, the things that happen in life, they're still tough. They're still difficult. There's not a, um, it's right here. I have a, I have a manual that tells me how to live, but I did not get a disclaimer when I was saved. <laughs> you with me? I didn't get the disclaimer. You know, you get a disclaimer, you know, you walk into somewhere, you may or may not receive bodily harm due to the activities that are taking place in this location. You didn't get a disclaimer that said, uh, you may or may not have your faith challenged due to the extremes of life and you know all this the, the fine print I, I say that because we need to know that a life in Christ is everything that he promised but it is still a life you still have to live it we still have to we still have to go through things we still have to deal with things we still have to confront things and and I have met and the only reason I'm telling you this and making a major point about going from gore to glory is because I have met a lot of Christians who were confused about the fact. Now, you wouldn't think maybe maybe you're more mature and, and you understand that better, but I have met a lot of Christians. I've even went through it myself. I'm thinking, shouldn't a life in Christ be like an all-access granted pass to an easier life? No, it's not. Don't confuse those two things. Don't confuse freedom and peace. Don't confuse those. 
about what happens in here and what happens out here. You can't. Now, if you've got an easier, if you've got an easy life, if God has blessed you with an easy life, if things are going well for you, great. Stay there as long as you can. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. One of the promises that we were given in God's word, and I'm going to get to you, Jim, I've seen your hand. One of those promises that we were given, um, I can't remember, I think it was in Proverbs. And, and I'm just kind of, you know, paraphrasing here. It was basically enjoy, enjoy your days while you're young. Before the days come where you wish they, they weren't so. Something along those lines. And I always thought about that. I was like, why would you tell me that? I mean, why would you say something like that? It's supposed to be even keel, right? I mean, we found a life in you. You say, no, life's hard. Life's difficult. It's, it's already difficult enough uh, uh, to deal with all the things that we deal with, let alone to be walking around outside of reality. The reality check is that we need him. We need him. You got to have him. But when you get him, we get him. We trust him to lead us and guide us through and navigate us through life. Not, we don't, I don't need him in the sense that I'm asking him to change the events of life. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not saying, God, I don't want this and I don't want this and I don't want this. Because that's not for me to decide. Life happens. I just want to know he'll be there when it does. I just want to know he'll be there when it does. Go ahead, Jim. Well, brother, this may come as a question, or but uh, I believe Jesus died for those before him that lived for God uh, and they was forgiven of their sins when he died, when mm-hmm. Jesus died. Also, those that are that was living. I, I completely agree that because died, that was all humanity. Absolutely, all died after that. Mm-hmm. You know that was living the word. Yes, and and uh, believing in Jesus Christ and the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, it's the the cross changed everything. Yeah, I mean for all for all time. Dead, alive, and and those that are that goes on afterwards. Yes, well, I mean there was even the even the gulf you know between between paradise and yeah. and, and hell that changed. When Christ rose from the grave. Mm-hmm. So we, we know that there's not a gulf anymore. We know where heaven is and we know where hell is. So it's two separate places. So yeah, the the, the, the resurrection of Christ changed all things. That's a good point. Uh, some teachings I've heard lately, and that's just something that I know in my heart. That the race that we run is not, we think it's a sprint. We're running on a course. It's a nice course. It's a nice course. You're running and you're running and running and you're going to get there. It's more like an Ironman course. It's an endurance. Right. It's an endurance race. Yeah. It's not. You're not running for speed. You're just making it to the end. That's all. And there's going to be mountains to climb, and there's going to be freezing water to jump in with barbed wire over your head, and there's going to be spaces you have to use a rope and swing across, or you're going to fall and have to go back again. Mm-hmm. And it's just a constant thing. And there'll be spaces in between where you're just jogging, and it's nice where you can mm-hmm. walk and catch your breath. But eventually, you're going to run into the next challenge, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to face that thing. And if not, then Yes. There's no other way but forward or backwards. Right. And backwards is not an option. Backwards is not an option. That's a good point, Sean. Okay, let's keep moving. Let's go to uh, page 22. So uh, keep in mind that some of the stuff that we talked about is going to be kind of a theme throughout the rest of this lesson, too. Sean, if you would, sir. Yay, Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> you can read New yeah, version. It's yeah, fine. I know. Isaiah 52, 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised 
raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there was, were many who were applauded, appalled at him. His appearance was also disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. Uh, who was believed our message, or who, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like the root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we, would, we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom uh, people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and his wounds, or by his wounds we are healed. We are all sheep, have gone, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way, and the Lord laid has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before the shears, it's, it's silent. So he did not open his mouth. He was assigned a grave with, with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And through the, Lord's, through the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the, Lord, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my, righteousness, my righteous servant will justly... Just, Justify, mm -hmm. justify justify many and he will bear their iniquities therefore I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors that wasn't so bad that wasn't bad thank you Jesus even, even the King James. Yeah, I should have wrote it's the not King too James bad. on that. All right. Section 1, despised and rejected. Oh, I wanted to point something out, too. You notice in verse 6 there that he starts talking about sheep. Yeah. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Amen. So what does that I mean? That, that means we are all sheep. sheep. Yeah. And so the to underestimate the ability to go astray... It's actually just in your nature. Yeah. And, and, and I think sometimes we define going astray. People define going astray differently. And so you've you got to really look at that, and nobody is exempt from that. Nobody is exempt from that. And I say that from, from two different perspectives, too. I say that you know, for the, from you looking at someone else, maybe, and thinking you know, that they've gone astray. Well, they, you know, they fell off the ladder or whatever, you know, and I can't believe they did that. And, you know, that's, that's judgmental. 
We put ourselves in a position that we don't belong. Why? Because we're there. And then looking the way you view yourself. Well, I haven't. I, I don't. I don't go astray. <laughs> Everybody goes astray. Amen. Whether it be with action, whether it be in thought, whether it be in emotion, we all walk away from where we know we should be going. We're always constantly trying to get lined back up and go where we need to go. I mean, honestly, at times it gets tiresome. You're like. I blew it again. I mean, let me ask you an honest question. I just want to be honest. How many of you ever, ever have said that? I'm tired of, I'm really tired of blowing it. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of blowing it. I'm tired of making the same mistake over and over again. The, the, the thing to remember is just what that verse said. Is like, we all go astray. We all do it. It's, it's coming to the conclusion, though, that we have found somebody who has forgiven us, not only for what we've done, but is in pursuit to find the one who has went astray. That, that makes all the difference. And we're not alone. We're not. We're not alone in this. We're, we're, he is pursuing constantly you and me. The, you know, well, I, think, I think at times, even as sheep, because if you ever look at the research on sheep and why they go astray, it's like they're, it's just aimless. It's just like, <laughs> no reason. They just fall off course. And the shepherd has to go out and pick them up, get them back in there, um, and, uh, and get, them back to the, get them back in the fold again. Well, the, if I'm not mistaken, if I understood this correctly, when a sheep constantly is straying off, what will happen is we'll, the shepherd will break the legs to keep him from straying off again and so what that does is and i thought man when i when i first found that information i cried like a baby because we go through things that like literally break our legs and it's like you fall and you falter and you're and you're looking for the shepherd someone put me back on course again and he's like found you picks you up he's like now now listen don't get back off course again you know you know you need to stay beside me stay with me Takes you back, puts you back in the fold again. I love that about him. I love that about him. Because it doesn't matter what you think of, of the person sitting next to you, of me, I've had my legs broken many times. I think we all have, if we be honest. I've had to have my legs broken many times. Put me back in order again, God. Okay. Despise and rejected. One of the great paradoxes in Jesus' earthly life was his commitment to serve the Father as he maintained his identity as omnipotent God. The New Testament describes the earthly parallel of a loving Father and obedient Son. But the extent of Jesus' obedience, even though he was fully God, is beyond our grasp. It is beyond our grasp. I mean, I, I understand what happened, but I don't think I fully understand how it happened. Does, it, does that make sense? I, I get what happened. I think this is in front of me. I'm reading it. I get the events. But I don't know if I can fully grab a hold of everything that's in those words. You ever get that sense when you're reading it? It's like, man, I'm not seeing everything here. There's something, there's there's some deep stuff here. There's some things to be gleaned. There's some things to be gotten. There's some things to be, uh, uh, really to be enjoyed uh, by what, what happened here. So he says that Jesus was committed to sacrifice his earthly life for lost humanity and would be exalted by the Father as a result. So he said that Jesus was committed to sacrifice. So, would let me ask a question. 
would you agree that he was committed to sacrifice just by reading the story? Amen. Let's go back. We go back to his his birth, right? It was a sacrificial situation, right? Who wants to give uh, birth to a child in those circumstances? Nobody. Even in that time, that was an undesirable place. But yet, that's where the king was born. Keep in mind, let's remember, we got to keep this in, in theme and check. The theme of his life is the theme of yours. Amen. The theme of your his life is the theme of yours. Mm -hmm. So if he was in a constant place of sacrifice, meaning I have to sacrifice not doing this or not doing that or being able to enjoy this or enjoy that, he sacrificed a lot of his humanity to carry out the will of the Father. That hasn't changed. That will remain the same for you and I. Amen. And, and, and actually, that's really fundamental. And that for me, when I have got off track, I have to come back to that very fundamental thing, which is sacrificial life, the life of servitude. I, I found that it's easier to get back on track if you can come back to a place of servitude and sacrificial living. Not, not, not trying to go back and rewrite mistakes that, that, that were done. Forget that, because you can't, you can't do that. You come back to the very base thing that Christ's life was about and that he asked from us when we got saved initially, Amen. which was live a life of sacrifice, servitude to one another. Amen. And it's crazy because a lot of the times when we fall or we make those mistakes, we're self-centered. We're thinking about us. We're, we're, we're thinking about our situation. We're not thinking about anyone else. And it begins to, the situation implodes. It becomes more about us than anything else. And, I've, and I'm just giving you some clean advice. I have found that to be one of the most base fundamental things of getting back on track with God is when we ask for forgiveness, come back to a life not about you, but about him in servitude. What do, you, what do you want me to do? Put me where I belong and get me serving again. Because servitude will always get you thinking about other people and not yourself. And that's a good place to be. It's a good place to not always think about yourself. Well, we, we wasn't born like Jesus. No. Uh, naturally, yes, but not. But, uh, not circumstantially. Jesus, Jesus came from God to start with, so, and he was God mm -hmm. in the flesh because God gave him the, the ability to be that. But we were being born into sin. Right. Yeah. And we had to be saved. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it, it says in the Word, you know, that, that uh, we've all sinned and became, and you know, and we've all sinned, fall and, short and, of the glory of God. Fall short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So we have to, we have to find the glory and the grace of Jesus Christ, what He done on the cross. Yes. To be saved. Yes. Even though uh, we know throughout our life, throughout our life, we're not going to be able to be perfect. That's right. We're still going to make mistakes. We're going to sin. Yep, that's good. And we're going to have to come back to God. And we're going to have to ask God to forgive us of our sin. Yes. That's, and and that's, a, that's what we do throughout our life. Yeah, absolutely. That's good, Jim. Good point. If we didn't have to, grace wouldn't have to have been. Right. Exactly. We wouldn't need it if that wasn't the case. But that's, yeah, that's a good point. I think all the, the suffering they had to go through was just a, a mental picture physically of what he sin makes us look like on the inside. Oh, that's a good and, point. And I mean, 
the way Jesus looked, the way he was beat down, the way that he had to deal and suffer with all those things. I mean, if we can look inside ourselves, even though, sure, we look fine on the outside, but our spirit man looks just as beat up as Jesus did because we're allowing sin into our lives. Good and Lord. if you're not yep. living for him, then you can't get that off of you, and you're going to get beat down, broke out, bled out until the end, and then, yeah. Yeah, not good. That's, that's good. Going back to what was said earlier, um, we're the race is not it, it's we're on our own track and that track is only as long as we're supposed to be here mm-hmm. as long as you're a believer we all go through different struggles different uh, obstacles yeah and you know when you're when you're strong and you're going good and you think you can make it through then we at least we fall yeah right and I was talking to a friend and he was uh, he kept throwing things at me and I, I was like you know first I'm no better than you but you do this and you, I'm like we're saved by grace you just gotta believe mm-hmm. uh, we that that race is is uh, led by God if we let Him. If if we're not um, convicted of the sins that we do, mm-hmm. then it does go off course, right? And you do go down roads that you would not have went down otherwise. Absolutely. And that's our free choice that God give us to choose him or not to choose him. Yeah. At at the end, though, it's not the end. It's the beginning. Mm -hmm. That's what we're shooting for. Yeah. But we all fall short of that Mm -hmm. without God's grace. Well, and you you make another good point there about you know through what you said there the choice choices we make it's always our choice to choose him or to choose something else I'm gonna go back that we're all on different levels I'm not I'm not trying to put it like this it is it's something that I've seen visually we're all on different levels of Christianity if you put it if sure you, if you, okay yeah so I like that you know yeah. then you walk when, walk. When, you, when you talked about earlier when you said uh, you know when you see somebody that you know like Tanner man he's a Christian Man, I look up to him. Oh man, I can't believe Tanner did that. Judgmental, mm-hmm. you know. And then there I am, twenty steps below him. Not just using. This. I know what you're saying. And I'm picking out things that that you're supposedly not, you know, doing. And I'm I'm failing miserably mm. at the things that you've already accomplished. You're you're. Really saying what you're saying embodies a lot of. I think everybody can connect with what Stacy's saying right here. We've all been guilty of looking at someone else and then drilling them into the ground, and then not realizing. Hey, the problem was with us. David did the same thing. You remember when David did it? Yeah. You remember when he committed the sin with with Bathsheba and and uh, the uh, to cover the priest come to him and he's like he's like hey you know he told him the story about the what had happened it was you know just a story and he's like hey I'm angry about that and he's like it's you. <laughs> and he's like, it's me. And then he repents, of course, you know. 
But, uh, That's good, Stacey. He said in the Bible, he said, uh, even though we're not perfect, he said, strive for that perfection. Strive for perfection. You've got to strive. You've got to always be gotta always aware be trying. Yep. that you're just a human being. Yes. You're just flesh, and you're going to make mistakes. That's good. And you're going to have to come to Jesus. Yes. And you're going to have to ask for forgiveness. A life of dependency. That's a good point. Okay, let's keep moving. <coughs> um, that God's servant would be raised up alludes to Jesus being physically raised up on a cross. Jesus would be disfigured and his shed blood would be sprinkled for the redemption of all who would believe. The picture of God's servant being king over kings is coupled with references to the crucifixion. Exaltation and self-sacrifice coming together. Okay, uh, the question, who has believed, indicates incredulity over the self-sacrifice. Incredulity, you need to know what that word means. Incredulity is the unwillingness uh, to, or unwillingness or undesire to believe something. I, think we just, I just don't want to believe that. Indicates incredulity over the self-sacrifice of God's servant, echoing the response of people everywhere to the gospel. We can never answer such questions in our own wisdom. Why? Why can you not answer spiritual questions in your own wisdom? We're human. Yeah. You ain't got no wisdom. This is wisdom. You got all your wisdom. It's godly wisdom. Yeah. That's where that's where that that's where that comes from. So so to think that we understand something only comes from the aspect of, of being human in human form and what happens here now. That's the only way that we understand it. We really don't get you don't get spiritual matters. You don't get spiritual things unless God shows them to you. So you can think of, let me ask this question. I'll let Sean give this comment, and I'm going to mark my spot because you guys know how bad I am about <laughs> losing my spot. Um, you know how we are about our circumstances and the way we're kind, of, we're kind of geared towards always believing we understand and know what we're going through. And usually the first, the first indication of that is when you do get in a situation that you don't want any help. That's always the first indication. The first indication of your humanity and the fact that you are a fleshy human being is the moment that you get into a situation and you know you're in over your head, but you're going to say, I don't need any help. That, that really is pure proof of who we are as human beings. And how many of us in here have, once we went through it, we got burned up a little while, we got beat up real good, and then once we finally got the help that we needed, and God began to teach you and show you once you were down and broken. That's when usually when we learn the best is when we're busted. Yeah. I, I would say that most lessons that God teaches are when we're down and broken. But you couldn't understand the situation before because you didn't have the ability to do because it was your wisdom. It's only after the fact that when God reveals himself to the situation, he says, all right, this is who I am. You see it now? And then we come into whose wisdom? His wisdom. And it's like, oh, I get it now. You didn't get it because you somehow got smarter. It's that God revealed himself to you and he said, this is who I am. Now you get it. And that makes it that much more beautiful is that then we become, like Jim was saying, then we become dependent. We become dependent on it. Well, I mean, if, if, you, if you somehow cooked it up yourself, if you somehow believe that you learned from your own experience and that God didn't really have anything to do with it, it would become inclusive, meaning you would just believe in self. You would think it all had to do with you. 
But that it can never be the situation. And that's why often, like the sheep, the leg's broken, that we get put in a situation where we can't walk and we're dependent on someone to carry us. And you think about the footprints, you know, the, the picture of the footprints and Jesus, you know, and he said, you know, these were the times when I carried you. And we think that's a sweet picture. But often, I wonder if it was not carried because we had to, but because we needed it. He's like, I'm going to take you off your feet and I'm going to carry you for a little while. You need to be carried for a bit. You don't need to be walking on your own. So that's a, that's a thought. Sean. And like one of the scriptures I'm chewing on for this year, Proverbs 29, 18. Uh, for where there is lack of vision, people perish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good. But, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. But vision there in the Hebrew means uh, mental vision. It's revelation. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get revelation from God is to be in prayer and reading his word and stuff like that. So sure. if you're not constantly seeking him out to get that revelation, to get that vision, you'll perish. Whether right. that be spiritually, it'll be spiritually first. Sure. It'll eventually lead to physically. Right. But, yeah. You can you can exist, but you may not actually be alive. Alive, yeah. <laughs> Good. All right. Jesus is the full expression of God's person. He is the arm of the Lord and is revealed as the word is preached and applied. Okay. Just get what it said right there. He's the arm of the Lord and he is revealed as the word is preached and applied. Remember, all that all that comes through the word. All comes through the word. You heard me say this the other day. Uh, your, your imaginations can't become expectations. Your, your imaginations, your, your imaginations. Why? Because your imaginations aren't geared towards the word. They're your, they have to do with you. Expectation has to be based on what God said, not what you think. And often, if I would say that there's probably anything that we as people fall astray on, because we were talking about going astray, and I said there's more ways to fall to go astray than just falling away and falling out of church. You can go astray in just your opinions. Yeah. You just say, I have a high opinion about this, or I have a high opinion about that. You can go astray and be so geared to what you think that you think what you think is the gospel. Mm-hmm. I think it's the absolute truth. Well, we could we could tie it to a lot of things. We could kind of tie it to arrogance. You could tie it to pride. We tie it to a lot of things. But the key is is understanding when you've done it. When you've started to take your your imagination has started to become an expectation. Now, and I say that because I've been there before. I've I've had expectations of God that I didn't actually realize weren't actually derived from God's word. They were only my imaginations. I thought God should do X Y Z. And when he didn't perform it, I was disappointed. I said, where are you at? He brought me back to the word. And he said, did I ever say that? Well, no. Then why did you believe that? I said this. You can expect and believe that. But once you start letting this thing go and it gets outside of God's word, we're in danger of becoming disappointed in a version of God that doesn't exist. The version of God that exists is all based right here. So make sure that what you've cooked up in here is lining up with what's in here. Come on, man. You gotta make sure of it. You're nothing. nothing. So we were talking about this Wednesday uh, Wednesday night. You know, God has been really dealing with me about the, the, the thinking aspect of Christianity and the way that we think and how detrimental it is. I mean, you can come in, you can have an awesome service, you can 
you can do you can experience great things in the spirit and you can still be thinking wrong about things and thinking incorrectly and then uh we could say uh, even thinking uh defeated and in a defeated manner okay so let's keep moving um he grew up in humble let's say jesus could relate to all human experience even as he remained sinless he grew up in hum humble circumstances as his miraculous birth his childhood and young adult years were lived much like our jewish uh any other jewish boy of that time when he began his public ministry there was no great rush to embrace him why what do you think that was go back go back think about the way he was born why what were they expecting what was the expectation a king. A king. Loyalty. A right. A warrior with a sword. Now, th this this ties in directly to imagination and expectation, because they had cooked up an idea that wasn't necessarily what it was even talking about. They had they had imagined a king, you know, this this kingship and this and this is man. I tell you, church, that is probably the what happened there in that transition, and the way the Pharisees viewed. The, those events and the way they responded to them is a lot like Christianity today. And when God is knocking, but nobody's receiving because it's not coming to them the way they wanted it. It's like, I don't, I don't receive God that way. But that's what you're getting. And, and, and we've talked about this before. Um, fundamental, fundamental teaching. This thing is still about the repentance of sin and holy living. We're never going to get away from that because that's, that's the theme of what the, the standard is in God's word. He said, this is what I expect. This is what is desired. And so we can't get away from that. But Christianity today, modern Christianity, wants to get away from that. It's like, man, let's sweep that stuff underneath the rug. We're not going to be talking about holy living. We're all the same. You got the power within yourself to improve and to be better. I'll tell you, church, we, we make sure, make sure those imaginations haven't become expectations. I know we've said it in here before. It's like we have these expectations that God's going to come down like a bolt of lightning. And yeah. Thunder, and <laughs> right, like right, light yeah. shows and mountains will be raised and crushed and pushed to the side when he wants to talk to you through a pen. Or, <laughs> right, or a commercial on TV. Or someone who's a sinner is not a believer, but they're going to speak a word to you from God through them to you, and you just don't know how to accept that. And, Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. I've had them talk to me. I know I mentioned through a cardboard box. It mm -hmm. worked before. I'm like, what? I'm like, how did that just happen? Right. But we get this idea in our head. It's like, no, it's got to be the Red Sea party, or it's got to be, you know, a big flood, and we build a, a, an ark, and we're all going to be saved. Some big grandeur thing. <laughs> right. Grand, grandeur. Large. The, big. The way God wants to move in our life. I mean, it just wants to. It'll. It'll be like when once we get it, it'll be like, wow. And it would like last week when I was talking about just being in awe of who mm -hmm. God was and. Just being all that he talked to me through a pen. I was like, wow, you just talked to me through a pen. Or a commercial <laughs> on TV. And it's just amazing. Well, I, I think it's the, the still, small voice yeah. that I have learned the most from in my life than the grandeur event. Yeah. It's, it's mostly that, that small situation that is taught the most. Somebody else had their I hand don't up. want to contradict anything he said. But Go ahead. Just, just like the... The Jewish people in the day when he was born, all the miraculous <coughs> things that he did, they still didn't believe. Yeah, they're right in front of them. Yeah, healed people, raised them from the dead. Yeah, yeah. let's kill him. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah actually, the, the the healings. You did that on the on the wrong day of the week. <laughs> yeah. You can't the, do that. Yeah, they, they, the healings were detrimental because it uh, usurped their religious authority. Yeah. I mean, that that just was yeah, it was uh, heinous heinous crime to be healing, especially on the Sabbath. Um, many would accept the truth Jesus proclaimed, but many would uh, people would reject him. Jesus identified with sorrow and suffering, the very things people want to avoid. Yes. Okay, and I'm not, I am not, and you've heard me say this before, I am not making light of anybody's situation, nor would I try to justify or even make sense of people's hardship. I totally get there's some people that have endured some serious, serious things uh, physically, emotionally, gone through things, and, and, and we're judgmental if we want to try to depict or understand those things. You can't. You can't quite understand what other people have gone through unless you've actually been in their shoes. But this is one of those things, though, I, can, I think we can, I can draw all people back to that one conclusion, that if Jesus' life had sorrow and had suffering, you can bet yours is going to have some, too. Come on, amen. You can bet on it. And, and a lot of people would argue that fact, but that is, if Jesus lived that way, if he went through those things, if he endured those things, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't go through what he went through so you could have a rich and easy life. He went through what he went through to redeem you back to God. It was a spiritual issue, not an economic issue. Come on. Right Makes sense? Yeah. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't that God pulled you back in so you could be rich and leave easy or have everything work out the way that you wanted to. Uh, once again, connecting expectations to maybe uh, expectations connected to a God that actually doesn't exist. I don't serve a God that makes my life all easy and the way that I want it. I serve a God that ask me to come to him, not him come to me. Amen. That makes sense? Uh, I've been asked to come to him with my problems, come to him with my situations, not him come to me every time I want to go astray and want to walk off. He says, no, you need to come to me. You need to come and bring your situation. You bring your problems, and we'll work through them. But I ain't never had a problem just whisked away. You got to... You manage, and God pulls you through it, and he shows you how to get through it. Okay. Um, part two. A stark contrast presented itself in Isaiah 53, 4. What was that time, guys? Jesus obediently went to the cross on behalf of sinful humanity, but those present at his crucifixion condemned him as if he were guilty of his own sin. But, you know, it's always been interesting that, you know, the very people that he was dying for were the ones that were saying, you're the one with the sin. So, I mean, and it's, it hasn't changed. <laughs> it, it hasn't changed. Why? Well, because in Christianity, now they're trying to say, well, you're the, ones, you're the ones with the offensive words. You're saying things that are stirring up our communities. Quit saying those things. And people are upset by that. And I'm, and I'm all for legislation of good laws that we can live by. But what did you expect was going to happen? How did you think persecution would come? And you say, well, I haven't done anything wrong. Well, of course you haven't. <laughs> he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So how did you think it would come about? They're going to make accusations that are absolutely false and they're not true. And they're going to say you did something that you didn't do. And that's the way that it is. And you shouldn't be confused over that. As, it, as a matter of fact, you should be accepting of it that this is a part of the suffering that Christ went through. Therefore, it's the suffering that I'm going to go through. They're going to make accusations about me. They're going to say that that Christianity's fake. They're going to say that you're stirring up trouble by telling people that there are demons out there and that homosexuality is wrong. They're going to tell you that you're, that you, 
we're gonna we're gonna shut you up for saying that. They did it to Jesus. Yeah. So assuredly they're gonna try it with you. Okay. Um this verse speaks of the human reaction to Jesus being on the cross and the human perception of evil in general. I wish we had more time to talk about that. People often do not see evil in themselves. Well, that's 100% true, I'm telling you. Yeah. That's, we don't. We just don't do that. We, we're not geared that way. If you, if you, Most of the time, it's Holy Spirit inspired, and it comes through sitting through a message, and you have a revelation. Most people don't just walk through the day and it's like, you know what? I've been sinning the whole time. I guess I better stop. Most of the time, I didn't say every time, I know some, some circumstances are different, most of the time it doesn't go down like that. Most of the time it takes, a, it takes a revelation of the Spirit to show you. Why? Because it's not in your wisdom, it's in God's wisdom. It's a, it's a spiritual issue, not a physical issue. So therefore you can't articulate your own sin. Why? Because your flesh doesn't believe that it's in the wrong. You can't articulate your own sin. It takes spiritual Spiritual matter. So God's got to say, hey, you're a sinner. I repent. And what does repentance mean? Change your mind. Change your thinking. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile. <laughs> That's good. <clears throat> Walk a mile in my shoes. All right, let me finish that out. People often do not see evil in themselves, yet quickly acknowledge the guilt they perceive in others. Oh, like your knife's bigger than mine. <laughs> All right, let me keep reading. I've got just a, 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 another minute here. I want to just go through this, uh, finish up this paragraph. Verse 5 through 6, rip away at any self-approval. On our part, Jesus did not suffer and die for sins he committed. He lived a perfect life. Amen. Amen. Proper sacrifice. Rather, his wounds and pain were a direct result of our sins. The repeated hour in verse 5 points to the personal debt of sin carried by every person who has ever lived. And, you can, and if you don't believe that, you can go back in the Old Covenant. And look at what they had to do for the atonement of sin. And then you have a full understanding that sin was not actually atoned for. It was covered. It was covered. Amen. Jesus is the perfect atonement of sin. His sacrifice literally does away with the sin. When before there was a debt that, that couldn't be paid by anything else. So what they had to do is they had a, a substitutional sacrifice that come in and it paid the bill for that time. It paid the bill for that time. But a proper sacrifice is only in Christ. Therefore, you don't have anything that's like pending. It's actually paid. You get it? You don't have a pending debt. You have a paid debt. There are no expectations in, uh, in purposeful rebellion against God. All have gone astray. We already said that. Yet God's response has been to provide his son as sacrifice for our sins. We have a lot more information to talk about. We ran out of time. We've had some good conversation this morning that what Christ has done is the absolute and it's the perfect sacrifice. It's all been done perfectly. But remember, just a, just a, a piece from what we talked about before. Don't, don't let your imaginations become expectations. Let God's and what God has said become your expectation. Amen. And let's make sure that we stay focused on what God has said, not what we think. God bless you guys. Thank you. Amen.